So I should start by saying I'm running the Noble Ape simulation. I'm actually going to present something here that's based on work that I've done. And it's easiest actually to run the Noble Ape simulation and explain some of this. I wanted to talk specifically associated with simulating self-consciousness. I'm not sure how many of you were here for the last Conscious in the Cloud, but we had Larry Yeager here and he was talking about how difficult it was to simulate consciousness in particular self-consciousness. And I wanted to give the example in Noble 8, but unfortunately I didn't really have that much time. What we have here is a, a simulation of, I don't know, maybe about 100 apes that are wandering over a landscape. It's a randomly generated landscape, so we can create a new one if we feel so inclined. It has a weather simulation, which unfortunately you can't see at this resolution, but imagine that there's a weather simulation. See if I can turn this around. No, that's not even showing it. So unfortunately, uh, improve the resolution. So, well, anyway, assume that you're seeing clouds and various other formations that are going over the landscape here. But here you have the noble apes that are uh, moving around the landscape and they're having interactions. Originally, when I started developing noble ape, I had a, a simple neural network-like model uh, for simulating the apes interaction. It modeled two things, fear and desire. But those two combinations weren't enough to make the apes self-conscious. About four years ago, a roboticist by the name of Bob Bottram started working on Noble Ape full-time, and he added two additional uh, simulation components. It's probably easiest if I just... So let's watch a specific Noble Ape. So what Bob Bottram added uh, came from... It's a particularly boring ape associated with these particular factors. But these four elements here hunger, fatigue, uh, social and sexual, came from the work of uh, Cynthia Brazil at MIT. And these are social components which basically motivate the, ape, the apes. I perfectly selected an ape that doesn't seem to be motivated. Ah, here we are, the sex drive's finally going up. But um, these components motivate aspects of the apes' movement. But more interestingly, Bob um, introduced a social simulation uh, which included things like episodic events here. So here it's just describing episodic interactions, but also the notion of friends and enemies and these kind of things which built into the simulation. The final component that was necessary, however, for simulated self-reflection was the idea of brain code, which is both an internal and externally spoken language. So the apes maintain, initially anyway, with Bob's implementation, an internal representation and an external representation. So when they interacted with other apes, they ran their external representation against the other apes' external representation and then continued to compute between the external representation and the internal representation. This, in broad terms, was the idea that you have both spoken language that you talk to people with, but also that you have an internal narrative associated with the way that you think that's based on the same language. It's a shared language. As you might think in English internally, you also speak English externally. I wrote on this in a book maybe two odd years ago, and as I was writing the chapter, Bob came to the realisation that if the apes had an internal linguistic simulation for themselves, they should also have an internal linguistic simulation associated with other apes that they met. If they meet periodically with an ape, and, uh, you know, they have a certain representation of that ape through what the ape says to them, also through the experiences that surround those interactions. When they go away from that ape, they can still think about that ape, not as an abstract entity, but as an internal language simulation that the ape is running, basically, internally. 
And the interesting component of this is that their idea of self, their self-entity here, which is the internal simulation that they're running associated with themselves, is exactly the same as the internal simulation that they're running associated with any of the other entities that they interact with. There's a simpatico, basically, between this, their notion of what an entity is, and it relates to both themselves and also the other entities that they interact with. Some interesting phenomena for, through this. They can simulate internal entities that they've never met. So, for example, when apes meet other apes, they may refer to apes that they already know, but the ape they're meeting has no primary connection with. This can continue on for long periods of time, and there's an idea called the, uh, the epic graph, which is basically the apes that are being most talked about. So here we have Lane White Harris, who seems to be one of the most talked about apes in the simulation so far. We can actually watch Lane and get a sense of why this ape is being talked about. There are no... Well, actually, they have a substantial enemy. I think Lane has just passed away. <laughs> but anyway, so they can build these uh, interactions with apes that they have never met. There's another phenomena which we found maybe a year ago, and that was there's this idea of false parents. So, for example, when apes uh, interact with other apes, they have a primary connection associated with their parents that don't in full come through their genetics. It actually comes through early interaction. So, for example, feeding, reinforced behaviours, these kind of things build on that relationship. So they have a sense of who their parents are through interaction. So, for example, if one of the parents dies... Uh, early on, they will continue to have interactions potentially uh, with another uh, maternal or, or paternal ape or the appearance thereof. But through this, they develop bonds which associate them uh, with um, particular entities. So if the simulation runs for a long period of time, you'll actually start seeing these self-reflexive parents come through in the order of maybe 20 or 30 days. It's not a particularly long amount of time uh, for particularly infant apes. What happens through this process on occasion is that within the language communication, there is um, a relationship that uh, develops too. And within the relationship, there can be a mutation associated with that. So through gossip, for example, uh, accidentally an additional ape can be placed in to either represent the mother or the father of an ape. And through this communication, what happens is there's a false parent that's injected into the conversation. So the community gets a view that so-and-so's actual parent is not the parent that they believe is the case. And we found that the epic scores ran up very quickly uh, through this. And you could actually track where these false parents started to be injected because the epic rating, they were being talked about uh, a lot more, um, which was an interesting pattern because we couldn't go back to the... This is this notion of emergence that I was talking about with Zan you can't actually go back to the code and structure it accordingly. When I met with Chris Adami at Michigan State University, he started to describe in information theory terms what were actually needed um, to kind of quantify this um, for, for academic research. But it was certainly an interesting pattern that we saw uh, emerging just through the properties of language, uh, basic mutation, these kind of things. But the notion of a self-reflexive identity, which is identical to another entity, and in the same sense having an internal simulation representing the self, but also representing other entities as well, um, is one of the kind of phenomena that we've, uh, you know, added to and discovered from uh, in Noble Ape. Do we have any questions? Very basic question. So, um, so I was listening in one channel and watching in the other, and they were not connected very much. So could you explain the visualization? Certainly. Let's... Pause this. So what you have here, I'm seeing the weather over the top. For some reason, it's not being displayed. So let me remove the weather. 
So these are individual apes in the simulation. As you see, as I click them, they're identified. Those being the red dots. Being the red dots, yes. And each of these entities has a, a physical form associated with them, genetics, uh, these kind of things, various health statistics that are displayed here, heart rate, there's an internal metabolism simulation, these kind of things, so I can get diseases, this kind of stuff. But they also have um, independent and interconnected cognitive simulations, the first of which is this raw sensor actuator, almost like an agar simulation, which affects their basic movement. And it's generated on two competing formulae, one representing fear, i.e. a reactive fear, and the other representing desire, which is based on long-term goals. It is based on earlier work that I did associated with agar simulation. So it's not based on neural networks, a petri dish simulation. So the way information is transferred in a petri dish has some interesting mathematical properties, which I used in Noble Ape rather than a traditional neural network model. So Noble Ape has similarities with Larry Yeager's Polyworld, but instead of using a neural network model, I used my older Agar simulation model to give a more interesting kind of visualization. But you also can see when there, it, it's a language in and of itself. You can see conditions of panic, uh, various reactive conditions, fear, uh, the cultivation of long-term desires, um, the interaction of various ideas through this. Um, what it's representing is actually a cube and it's representing the contours, but this is over you know, a long period of time. There are a number of ways that you can cut it. Exactly. But you can also see, so when it's running, you can actually see, you can see interactions that are going on within it. The sensors are all along one side of the cube, and the actuators are actually positioned within the cube. But it's just a, you know, it's just a visualization tool. You can switch it off similarly. In addition, and which is one thing that I did turn off, you can see the brain code here only representing the external brain code, i.e. what it will speak when it interacts with another ape, which can adjust based on the ape that it's interacting with. And the internal brain code, which is the same language, it's what's describing its internal state for it specifically. In addition, there are currently potentially six other internal representations that it has for other apes that it interacts with. So it can maintain, unfortunately not currently, but in the near future, it will maintain, it has the potential to compress these. So for example, rather than just interacting with six, it will interact with more, but it will take some of those interactions and create um, archetypes or stereotypes, for want of a better term. And this is used in its own internal simulation. So as it approaches an older ape, perhaps it will you know, say, oh, this is a wise ape, or this is someone I can steal food from, or all these kind of things which are represented on a, a stereotype rather than an individual. So it's, it's similar to, it's, it's along the history of kind of Tierra, Core War. Basically, it's, it's going to adapt, but basically bytecode, the additions the Noble Ape has that make it interesting is that because it has other cognitive simulations, other interactions, there are sensors and actuators that are actually in the brain code itself. Similarly, um, there is also hardwiring based on language. So rumors and these kind of things can actually program directly in in certain cases. There are a variety of additional things other than your standard kind of Tierra or Vida style bytecode simulation. But this is very much a legacy artificial life means of modeling as well that I wanted to adapt in Noble Ape, but also add very specific elements to it. So the rumor example, that's an easy mutation. But basically, when you have two apes communicating, they are literally executing the, the, uh, by the brain code 
of each other's external together. So it's almost like a singing conversation. Um, putting sound to this is something that I'm looking at as well. So you can actually get the kind of the nature of their communication. And I think the next step, I can output currently AIFF files of this. The next step is to put it in real time in stereo and actually hear them kind of communicate. Um, my hope is by the A-Life conference next year, I'll have this in demo form associated with a real time communication and then potentially also, um, you know, people interacting with that accordingly. The things that interest me, and certainly Bruce has seen this through the legacy of Biota, are um, things like OpenSim, so getting the Second Life client interacting with the mobile ape simulation, so rather than dots, there are actual represented apes. You can see, you can actually enter the environment and interact with the noble apes as well. But yeah, that's a, a medium to long-term project associated with it. Well, I wanted, to, I wanted to give the opportunity to at least talk to how you would simulate an identity, a kind of self-reflection, particularly with regards to other entities, because I think that was certainly the challenge that uh, Larry made in the last recording.